the 19th edition of the Flushing's Finest podcast starts right now. Little roller up along first, behind the back, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center, Andrew Jones on the run, this one has a chance, home run! Piazza and the Mets lead 3-2. It has happened. In their 51st season, Johan Santana has thrown the first no-hitter in New York Mets history. Please struck him out. Tears of joy for the 2015 New York Mets. National League Eastern Division champions. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Flushing's Finest Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. And that intro, those highlights that you heard, that is the happiest moment that this podcast is going to deliver today. After the Mets follow getting swept at home by Toronto last weekend, they go on the road to Atlanta, a pivotal series to try to get this 2023 season moving in the right direction with pitching matchups in their favor, a chance to at least take two out of three. They don't win one. They don't win two. They don't win three. They get swept by a team that they should now just start calling their dad because they own them in the Atlanta Braves. The Braves swept the Mets uh, coming back. From three-run deficits in all three games, and last night's come-from-behind win snapped a streak where the Mets had won 122 straight games when leading to when leading in the eighth inning. And there's no other way to say this, Ashton, but at 30 and 33, eight and a half games out of first place in the NL East, the New York Mets—they've hit rock bottom. They stink. And it's 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 obvious. I mean, you don't blow three straight three-run leads if you're a good baseball team. So it's clear at this point in the season, they aren't a good baseball team right now. I mean, they didn't have Pete Alonso last night, but that's not an excuse. I mean, you've got a 10-6 lead, and you just you blow it. That's how bad this team is right now. Yeah, and I mean, the I think the... The worst thing about it is if us as Met fans are sitting at home and we knowing that this thing's going to come crashing down, then the players know it as well. And look, part of it is just that ballpark has been a place of nightmares um, for the Mets. They've they've now lost uh, 14 of the last, I think, 18 times that they've gone down to Truist. So part of it is just that right now going to Atlanta – is a house of horrors, but by God, be mentally tough. And I think that was what was on display in this series. This team, after a year ago, every time they got knocked down, they got back up and they were ready to fight again. This team hasn't. Whenever this team gets kicked in the mouth, they just fold over like a like, like a hurt dog. And then they just sit there and they whine and they pout. And they want to play woe is me and 
you know, Buck Showalter, who I'm about to just go off on here in just in a minute, is still running out Daniel Vogelbach, who has one RBI in his last 19 games. He's your DH. DH stands for designated hitter. He is only put in the lineup to hit the stupid baseball because he can't do anything else. And he's not even hitting, and yet we keep trotting him out there time after time again to watch him strike out most of the time looking. I mean, and it's it's, it's, it's just like so a, frustrating. Might as well be designated out at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just... It's just so frustrating because and some of it isn't even isn't even the player's fault. You, you know, and, and this is where I'm gonna transition in, 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 into the rant on Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter last year won the Mets 15, 20 games. Like they won games last year because of his managing that they wouldn't have won in years past with Mickey Calloway. Luis Rojas. Those managers cost him the game. Well, this year, Buck Showalter is costing the Mets ball games. You go back to Tuesday night. Like, if Cookie Carrasco gives you five innings of one-run ball against that lineup, you take it. But And I know he'd only thrown 86 pitches, but 86 pitches through five innings, that's a lot. Um, You send him back out there for the third time, and then he's just getting smoked. I mean, it was almost like he was up there throwing live batting practice. So you failed him. And it felt like every time last year, Buck made the right decision when going to the bullpen. There is no right decision right now when you go to the bullpen, whether it's Rayleigh, Adovino. The only guy you can't complain about is David Robertson, but he gave up the game-tying home run in the bottom of the ninth last night. And it's it's just... It is a comedy of errors watching this team go out there and play baseball. You blew three leads of three runs or more in three straight games for the first time in franchise history. Think about that. Not even the 1962 Mets, who lost 120 games, did such a thing. And you've got the highest payroll in baseball. You won 101 games a year ago. And you're setting franchise first in the negative way, and there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of panic. Like, no one gives a crap that the Nationals, the Braves, and the Phillies, all within the last four years, have started slow and went on to win the World Series or make the World Series. And in the case of the Nats and the Braves, win the, win the whole thing. Guess what? We're not those teams. We we're, we we're, we're not we're not blessed by the baseball gods to be uh, u- underwhelming for two months and then turn it on. It's not it's not going to happen unless there are changes made at the top, starting with Billy Epler and then Buck Showalter. Yeah, I mean, you and I have differing opinions on um, Buck Showalter. I do not fire a guy that literally said last night after they blew a third consecutive lead, he was proud of them. You're proud of losing? You're 30 and 33, Buck. And I don't don't understand it because I love him. Behind Terry Collins, he's, he's my favorite Met manager I've got to watch as a fan of the Mets. 
you've managed in New York before. You were you've managed the Yankees, the most pressure filled position in baseball. Why are you afraid to be critical and call your team out? Like you can sit up there and say they got to play better, but do you say last night I was really proud of them? They, you know, we just didn't get the outs we needed to. That's part of the game. You got to do both, and that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing with this team right now. I don't know outside of maybe the weekend against Cleveland, this team has played a complete baseball game all year long. And it is June 9th. You've played 63 games. And I don't I could probably count on one hand how many times you've maybe put together a complete uh, a a complete performance. I don't want to fire Buck, but to me, this looks like a team that his message has lost has, has lost them because you're not seeing this team fight after they get knocked down. I'll agree with that, but I mean, I don't want to fire Buck either because let's face it, he won us a hundred games last year. But I, I, I still think someone. I, I agree with you. Somebody needs to be fired, and I, me, I think it starts with the pitching coach because. The Mets put up 10 runs, 10 runs yesterday. If the pitchers can't and, – and Justin Verlander, he's an ace. How is he giving up five runs in three innings? That's what I don't get, and I think that comes back to the pitching coach. And I don't want to fire him either, but at this point, some change has got to be made because this, this just isn't working right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think firing Jeremy Hefner is the right decision. You know, the Andy Decomo or Anthony Decomo put out an article in the preseason of how just revered he is by this pitching staff and by the clubhouse and how important he is to whatever type of success they're trying they're trying to achieve. What success? Um, part of, what part success of it is right just now? you know they're below five hundred. Yeah, I know, but. To me, and, and look, the starting pitching isn't good. The bullpen isn't good. I don't think it's necessarily him. I think it's two older pitchers that haven't adapted well to the pitch clock. I think you've got a guy in Kodai Senga who is having to adjust to trying to pitch every five days. And then a back end of the rotation that is about as disastrous as my dating life. So he he, he doesn't have a complete pitching staff to work with. The, the guy that deserves all of the blame is Billy Epler, the general manager, because the Mets won 101 games a year ago, and that was well and good. But you knew the last month, month and a half, that wasn't a World Series team. Like, as, as much as we wanted to believe it, because that's our catchphrase as Mets fans, you got to believe that they could go on some sort of run and, and play deep into October, it wasn't going to happen. And you lose Jacob DeGrom, which with him now having Tommy John surgery, right decision. You bring in you bring in Justin Verlander. So that kind of just crosses everything out. You didn't make the team better. I mean, you brought in Kodai Singa, but he's been the wild card. I think you should have expected him to be. You try to sign Carlos Correa to a massive contract. It doesn't go through because of the physical. That turns out to be the right decision because he's been on the I.L., for the Twins, and once that fell through, you did nothing. Outside of getting me giving guys on your roster well-deserved money, i.e. Edwin Diaz, Brandon Nimmo, and Jeff McNeil. 
And, and I was listening to the Michael K show on 98.7 ESPN yesterday. Uh, and Don LaGreca, noted Met fans, you know, said this perfectly. You got the highest payroll in the history of sports. History of sports. You got the highest payroll. And we are asking call-ups in Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and Mark Vientos to save the day. That's as much as I love those kids and I believe in the future and them being the core of this franchise alongside the Nimmos, the Lindors, the Pete Alonzos, that's embarrassing because it's 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 the it's the best way to prove it's the best form of evidence that most of your um what's the word I'm looking for here? Most of the guys that you've invested in, they're the wrong guys. The Mark Cannas, the Starling Martes of the world, the stuff Daniel like Bogleman. that. And, and 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 so you know, I, I think the thing is is and look, we should have known Billy Epler was gonna fail, right? This guy was the GM of the Angels. The Angels have Shohei Otani and Mike and Mike Trout, two of the three best players in in the game today. And they never even made the playoffs. So are we really surprised that Billy Epler has come to an organization with unlimited funds, unlimited resources, and fallen flat on his face? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not all surprised. This was the expectation after Steve Cohen hired him. Yeah. I mean, he for, for him to go out and sign Daniel Vogelback, I mean, I, I don't know if that – or was that a trade last year? Yeah, that was the trade last year. I mean, that wasn't that smart. And, I mean, I wouldn't have invested in Mark Canna. I wouldn't have brought him back last year. Um, I wouldn't have signed Tommy Pham. I mean, he's batting 238 right now. But, I mean, you want to you wanna ask guys like Alvarez and Beatty to – just kind of save the day. And, I mean, you can't do that because these guys are rookies, and Alvarez is actually really coming on nicely. He was the bright spot last night. I mean, two home runs. But you can't ask these guys to just to save the day because that's oh, 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 no, yeah, you can because they're, they're gifted and talented enough. But you know how you do that? You play them every day. Like, exactly, yeah. And and now because of where you're at, where you're three games under 500, and you're getting into the middle of June, you're gonna have to start playing matchup baseball. But you've been doing that from the beginning, which is just stupid and idiotic. For them to find a rhythm and to play at a high level consistently, <clears throat> they have to play every day because they're not veterans. Like when you've you when you've been at the major league level for three, four, five, six years or whatever, yeah, maybe you can platoon them and they can still produce at a high level. Not kids, not guys that aren't used to seeing major league pitching day after day for you know a, a couple years, and that comes back to a managerial flaw. Where look, you in the case of. Alvarez, you had to call him up due to injuries to to Omar Narvaez and the recently DFA Tomas Nito. You had to call up Brett Beatty because Eduardo Escobar just took the first month of the year off. 
And you called up uh, Mark Vientos because he was just sitting too dang good down in AAA. And then you were like, well, we're not going to play him every day. Well, then what would you call him up for? Because they could be getting on the bench. Like, you know, they could be getting better playing every day down in AAA, kind of like Ronnie Mauricio has been. Yeah. Like, why'd you call him up if he's just going to sit his butt on the bench and warm it up? I mean, you got to play these guys. And I think he made the smart decision yesterday playing Vientos at first base. I feel like that could be his um, his ticket to getting more playing time, especially if Alonzo's uh, agrees to playing more DH. But you got to play these guys. I mean, Beatty's pretty much become the everyday third baseman. But Alvarez, I mean, I'm still seeing uh, – uh, oh, gosh. Omar Narvaez sitting behind the plate yesterday, and I was like, what? Why? I mean, Francisco Alvarez is the best catcher that we have right now because he's so active behind the plate. I mean, at least defensively anyway, and he's beginning to come on with his back. Why sit him on the bench when you can put him out there and know you're going to have a good catcher behind the plate, stopping balls, and probably saving you at least a run a game? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I that that doesn't really bother me. Like, as long as Alvarez is in the lineup, I don't care if he's behind the plate. I mean, I still think on a normal week he's going to catch four, uh, you know, four, four times a week. Catch, I want him to catch at least five of <laughs> five or six games a week at this point. Yeah, you know, that's not going to happen the, with travel and stuff like that. They'll they'll, they'll get him off his his feet or or whatever. Um. But but yeah, and you you mentioned Vientos playing first if Alonzo agrees to DH. That's not going to happen. I mean, Pete Pete went to Buck in spring training and said, "Here are my six DH days." The guy wants to play in the field. He's determined to be a first base Gold Glove winner, and for that you got to respect. Speaking of Pete Alonzo, who returned back to New York yesterday to get further testing after he left Wednesday's game after he took a pitch from Charlie Morton. That that forced him to exit in the game. Couple things. Um, first off, that was intentional, and, and I know people will say it's not, but it's it's really hard to fathom after Pete Alonso did what he did the night before to Bryce Elder in the dugout, where he hit a monster home run, and he told him pitch it or throw it again, throw it again. Morton is a old enough and savvy enough pitcher to know you don't do it at the first pitch. You have to wait. And he waited. I think it was a 1-1 count when, whenever he did finally hit Alonzo. Here's my issue is they showed the Met dugout after Alonzo gets, gets hit and is laying on the ground. That's your best freaking player. He's the best home run hitter in baseball. He leads Major League Baseball in home runs. And our dugout has no reaction that he's laying on the ground hurt? How? That's why. That's where I come back to and say this team has no heart. This team has no fight. Because a year ago, when we were getting hit every other game, that dugout was up and they were chirping and they were letting it known that it wasn't okay. And then when it happens to the best player, we, we have nothing to say. And then and I know this is going to come across as rude and crass, when Ronald Acuna Jr. came up to bat in the bottom of the first inning, he should have been hit. And I'm not saying that you hurt him, but you hit him, and you send a message that if you're going to hit our guys, 
we're going to hit your guys, and that didn't happen. Dude, last year, we literally called pitchers up from AAA to throw at the opponents when, when we were getting hit. Like, that happened. And, and this year, we're just going to let our best player, who may now miss some extended time depending on what, what the further testing results, get hit and nothing happens? Why, why are we so soft? Why are we so afraid to stand up and push back and fight back? Because Acuna would have left the game too if I were Max Scherzer and I was on the mound. Yeah, and I'm I'm waiting for somebody to just leave the dugout and just rush somebody. Like I want to see I want to see passion. God, give me a bench clear and brawl for Pete's sakes. Like, what are we doing here? Like, are we just gonna let these teams just? peg our best player and not say anything i mean there's no heart what are we doing here like you can you can you got hit a bunch last year and you showed fight and now your best player's lying on the ground in agony and you're not doing anything like what is this yeah no i'll tell you what it is it's pathetic that's 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 what it is um there, there's nothing more demoralizing as a sports fan, let alone one that is as passionate and as invested as I am, than to watch a team that doesn't care. And through through 63 games with a 30 and 33 record, it's pretty evident this team doesn't care. And, you know, we, we go back to that Tampa Bay series when you had the come from behind wins and stuff like that. And it was, if this isn't the turning point, nothing will be. I think we're learning the hard way. There wasn't a turning point for this team. That was a good week because I'm pretty sure that's the same week you went on and you, and you swept the, the Guardians at home. But outside of that, outside of a, a sweep at home over Philly that since led to six straight losses – there isn't really anything to be up de- upbeat and positive about outside of the, the, the tear that Alonzo's been on at the plate already having hit 22 home runs. And so that's, and that's where they there. are. That's positive. Yeah, and, and so that's just – that's where they are right now. This is, a, this is a lifeless team with a manager that has no answers. And, and I don't know where it went wrong. I don't know if this is just a script out of Major League Two where everybody showed up at spring training and were with different agendas and they weren't there with the common goal to win an NL East division title, win an NL pennant, and go to the World Series. I don't know. But at some point, there needs to be answers and there needs to be accountability. And look, as of right now, it's 10-17. As of recording, Buck Showalter hasn't been fired. Billy Epler hasn't been fired. Daniel Vogelbach hasn't been DFA'd or anything. There hasn't been anything really yet to, to really signify that Steve Cohen has had enough. But maybe this weekend could be the point where if they go to Pittsburgh, and lose two out of three, or heaven forbid they get swept. When 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 they're done, he says, All right, enough is enough. And part of that isn't fair to Pittsburgh. The Pirates are babe are maybe the best surprise in baseball. Um, 32 and 29. They're a game out of first in the NL Central. 
they're right up there with you know the Diamondbacks as being one of the more pleasant surprises around the league so far this year. And the Marlins, we'll see if that stuff can hold up the the as as the season grows long. But like, you know, my my weekends, I I I I plan around watching the Mets. Like I know that they're gonna have a night game on Friday, a mid after game, a mid afternoon game on Saturday, and then a day game on Sunday. But right now, there's no there's no excitement. Like I'm not even excited to turn the TV on and watch this team play. So for you. Where are you at as the Mets head into a series against a team like Pittsburgh that hasn't have half the payroll the Mets have, yet have a better record than the Mets, and, and, and could serve as maybe the last tipping point in this season going all the way south? Yeah, I mean, I'm just – I'm deflated. I mean, like, Pittsburgh – Pittsburgh has been a surprise, and I won't be surprised if – um, if Pittsburgh wins two out of three. And that's just because of how bad we've been. But, like, at this point, this team is guilty until proven innocent. I'm going to think that they're going to lose until they start winning at this point, especially after last series when you blow three straight win- leads. I mean, like, you've got you've to gotta be able to at least win something. Like, break the streak and then just go forward from that. But right now, I'm just I'm just deflated. Like, I don't even know. Like, I, I like what you said. I'm not even excited to, to turn on the game and watch it. Yeah, I know. Right now, it feels, it feels more like a chore. It feels like yeah, homework yeah. To, to sit there and watch this team fail for two and a half more hours while my brain becomes, you know, a, a, a sponge. And so... You know, I, I mean, two out of three would be nice because you, you know, it would stop the bleeding, if if, if you will. But nothing's really gonna get, you know, nothing's gonna really get me bought back in until it carries over into the next series, into the next series, and they put together two, three good weeks of solid baseball. I think the most important yeah. thing to watch over the entire weekend really is the start of Kodai Senga because he's he's back on the mound um, on Saturday. He might be the one player I'm excited to turn on my TV to watch right now. Well, and it's not even really excitement. The thing is, is that so he's on the mound tomorrow. He last pitched last Sunday. So that means that's six days in between starts. And, you know, it's been well documented that his last start was his first start on normal rest. It didn't get out of the third inning. If if he goes out there and shines and dazzles and is the Kodai Singa we've seen at different times so far this year, the Mets are going to have to really consider moving to some sort of a six-man rotation or using bullpen games in between his starts to give him an extra day's rest. Because the data proves on normal rest for the mo- or, or or on an extra day's rest for the most part. He's what you signed him to be as your number three pitcher. Um, and, you know, it's twofold because I want him to pitch well, but the Mets aren't in a position to move to a six-man rotation because you don't have another pitcher. Like, you know, I don't I don't want to see David Peterson called back up and, and pitching in a big league uniform. 
You know, Quintana is still working his way back from injury, and the bullpen is so overworked and overused, you really can't afford to use bullpen games. And and so, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, because here's the thing, like looking at the pitching matchups over the weekend, the first two games are very gettable for the Mets. You know, especially, you know, you got Rich Hill on the mound tonight for Pittsburgh, a guy that, you know, I think is 41 years old now, still pitching in the big leagues. You know, and at some point you would believe that Tyler McGill would put together some sort of start of of use. And, and it's just like the Brave series where it's kind of right there for you to go take and to take two out of three. The The thing is, is are you good enough? Are you tough enough? Do you care enough to go out there and 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 win two baseball games against a very good baseball opponent? And and and, and only time will tell because obviously they haven't played yet, so we don't know. Yeah, and I like what you said. Do they care enough at this point? Because I I really I don't know, and there might be one person that cares in that dugout right now and that's Pete Alonso and he probably won't even play tonight so I mean that's the question is do they even care at this point like do they care that they're losing you know three straight games in which they got and in, in which they blew four or three run leads I mean so yeah I could see them I could see them winning games winning a couple of games but They've got to find a way to just make it carry over. Like, I won't be excited when if they win this series, but I will be excited if they start carrying it over into the next series, the next series, like you said. But at this point, the real thing we got to wonder is, do they care enough to do that? Yeah, and I mean, like I said, only, only time will tell. I, I, I do feel like... Assuming that nothing comes down today about Epler, Showalter getting fired, that if if this series goes if this series goes sideways, um, after Sunday we we would see something happen. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Steve Cohen isn't going to to do that. He doesn't want to get that reputation as an owner. But the 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 more that this team continues to underwhelm, the more that people are going to call for it because, you know, look, Cohen does a lot of great things as an owner. You know, the Hall of Fame ceremony last week was great. The upgrades at the stadium have been fantastic. The The amount of money you've spent has been impressive. We don't care. The only thing we care about is scoring more runs than our opponent, and right now that hasn't happened, and – Maybe this weekend, you know, it'll it, it'll start to change. It would, you know, I I just said like this weekend wouldn't win me over, but it's not going to take a lot to get me back invested. It's not going to get me. It's not going to take much to get me in uh, wanting caring at, at at a high level because I love the team. Like my my life revolves around watching this team play baseball 162 times a, a year. But at some point, you got to win. Um and hopefully this weekend this team can get back on track and get back to their winning ways and so yeah and I do think one more thing um you can't win an NL pennant this this week but you can certainly lose it at this point because 
I mean, I think it's fair to say that they could still be in the race if they turn it around now, but you can certainly lose the NL pennant this this week, this series, and probably even tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not even a pennant that you got to be worried about losing. It's it's not even the NL East. It right now, I mean, right now you got to look at a wild card because that's just the reality of the situation and you know, but you're not wrong. Like you you can do anything this weekend to make that ground up. But if you sit there and you pout and whine like a three-year-old, you can continue to fall further and further behind, making it all the more tougher in the world to to make it make it realistic. You find yourself playing postseason baseball, and so um, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Um, we do want to uh, hang on. I, I, I kind of I I'm just gonna restart and then I'll, I'll cut it and fix it. Okay. With that, guys, this is gonna wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on every major podcasting platform: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on there. Rate the podcast, review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the baseball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Ashton for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, let's go Mets!